want you to remember before I get into my message today that prayer, out loud prayer, releases God's will in the earth. God's will is not an automatic in most cases because it deals with the wills of people. And he has given mankind authority on this planet and without him we cannot, but without us he will not. So pray out loud, declare over your country the things you're believing God for. It is that prayer, that declaration of the way. And the second thing prayer is, in a really simplistic way, is a growing of intimacy between you and your relationship uh, with God. And that is needed if you're to follow Him. In whatever, as you grow, you'll notice that listening to His voice, He will lead you by name, uniquely, individually, for you in every area. Today I want to talk about, so let's just dive into our message. When I was a teenager, we lived in Weldon, Saskatchewan. My father and mom pastored there. And in my early teens, I became fascinated with doctrine. Or, let's just, became fascinated with the principles of the Bible. And my parents were such an incredible blessing. Our family can be generational because those two took a stand. They took a stand to be followers of Christ, to grow in faith, to learn the Word, and it was passed on to us and to our next generations. It's crucial. But in my life, there's different friends and pastors, and I had a lot of pastors coming in, and one of the friends of our family, and still is, would we, him and I would debate. And of course, no one wants to debate with a, a young teenager because we think we know it all, and I probably made a lot of mistakes. But what I got out of our conversations was if I wanted to have a great life, I must suffer. Now, looking back and, and knowing we see through our own grids, you know, I don't know, you know if I was reading him right, but what I was interpreting was that the greater of a life you desire, the more God wants you to suffer first. He's going to slap stuff out of you. He needs to burn stuff out of you. And the verses that they would use, man, they made sense if you took them out of context. And something within me just rose up. And, and, I, and I would just debate with him and debate with him. And uh, sometimes in our conversation, he would smile and look at me as an older man and just go, you'll see, Leon, you'll see. It's easy for you just to spout this, and, but you'll see one day. And I think many of our emerging generations get turned off by the rhetoric of religion. They get turned off by how much we talk about uh, Old Testament doctrine trying to fit it into the New Covenant. And you're going to have to suffer for Jesus. You, you know, every level, that every, every level's a new devil. And I'm going, wow, God gives him more power every level in your life? The devil never grows stronger. He never has new tricks. He is a very one-dimensional foe, and that's why we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, as I begin to study this, I noticed that everybody suffered. It didn't just leave out if you stay poor, 
you know, then the devil's going to leave you alone. And we gave the devil so much credit, but I noticed that it didn't matter. Everybody lost their grandparents, eventually their parents. Everybody uh, would go up and down with people attacking them, lying about them, backstabbing them. Uh, I just noticed that the suffering was across the board, and I found verses to support that, that everything under the sun is meaningless without Christ, as Ecclesiastes talks about. And man, this suffering which is in this world falls upon everybody. So, if I want to dream big and get up and, and, and sense this importance of doing something with my life, that yes, this world has suffering, for, but it is there for everybody. But everybody thinks they're special. Preachers think they're special. They suffer more than anybody. Politicians think they suffer. They suffer more than anybody. Leaders of businesses, no one understands what it takes to be an owner. And I, and I listen to this across the board. Education. Oh, man, if you're at the top of that, you suffer. If you're in, everybody owns some special suffering. And I realized that I needed truth. Today, what I want to share with you is a part of my journey. As a teenager, I found three stunning verses in Psalms 119, 96 to 100. I'm going to read them to you out of the Living Bible. It says, Nothing is perfect except for your words, God. Oh, how I love them. I think about them all day long. They make me wiser than my enemies because they're my constant guide. Yes, wiser than my teachers, for I am ever thinking of your rules. They make me wiser than the aged. I got these three verses, and literally, as a 15-year-old boy teenager, that's a man, but this sunk into me, and I just thought, I can be wiser than my teachers, I can be wiser than my enemies, I can be wiser than people older than me. Well, I'm going to need that, because, yeah, you know, people would tell me who are really into the suffering teaching, yeah, you're not going to know anything till you suffer in every area. And they had these little rules about all the ways you have to suffer before God's going to use you. It was the most discouraging thing I'd ever heard. And to the young people listening to me, you teenagers, you 20-sums, you listen well. You are blessed, and this message is for you. Get up and win. Get up and succeed. Get up and disagree with the lies of religion. When it comes to your desires, your hopes, your dreams, there is no detail that Jesus doesn't care about. Man, if it matters to you, it matters to him. And he's saying this, in Matthew 6, if he can count his sparrows and feed them, if he can clothe the lilies of the valley, if he can put colors into flowers and look after all that's going on, he said here the birds don't even work for their food, they just go eat it right off the vine. Then why do you think that it's all your own effort? And so I begin to recognize that he loves me so much, he's got the hair on my head counted. He knows what my heart is going through. He knows what my, my, you know, my six-year-old granddaughter's worried about, and he cares. He knows what I, as a father, a grandfather, a pastor, a leader, a man, a husband, he knows what, what the desires I want and the things I'm working, and he cares. He's not going, Leon, grow up. What in the world are you worried about that for? The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Come on, get up. God doesn't even talk like that, doesn't even think like that. 
He cares. He understands our imperfections and weaknesses. And His grace perfects those. Not us doing it, His grace. I want you to understand, you're going to have to make a choice in life. Are you going to work on your own efforts? Or are you going to understand the very favors of God? Are you going to understand the unearned favors of God? Because the word is so clear in the new covenant. You can live your life with what is you can call meritocracy. What are your merits? How long have you suffered? You know, everybody thinks you got to earn your stripes. And I understand that if you know, you're going to be carrying guns into battle or a police officer. We like people with experience. Absolutely, experience is a good teacher. It's just not the best teacher. The best teacher is Holy Spirit. And what He does in your heart can prepare you so as you go through an experience that the experience cannot take you out, cannot scar you emotionally, cannot drive deep beliefs into your heart that you can't get rid of. So experience isn't just a teacher, it's a destroyer. It is a false uh, principle. People going through struggles develop horrible doctrines out of their experiences and they begin to not believe the Bible. From the youngest age we can, we need to absorb the very principles of God so that as life has stuff, that we get up and when we go through it, we learn to succeed because we're understanding God's favors on our life that are unearned, unmerited favor is one of the definitions used in the in an amplified Bible. So you're going to live your life always trying to earn your success, always trying to make your success happen. And this is the arm of flesh is one of the biblical terms it uses. But when you begin to understand that there is a favor that is yours, that Jesus won, and that that favor will work for you and people can start screaming, unfair, what in the world? How come he just bypasses everybody? Why is she exploding and getting things that I've worked longer for and never got? Because my faith is not in my own works. Now it's gonna take me working, but we must be established in grace. In 2 Peter 1, 2, it says, may God's favor and his peace, which is perfect well-being, spiritual prosperity, and all necessary good on this earth, freedom from fears, from agitating passions, moral conflicts. Let this grace and peace be multiplied in you. How? In the knowledge of Jesus. In understanding Jesus. Leon, it can't be that simple. It is. I hate religion. A lot of the accusations in the social media and people who rise up against us is just us paying a price for churches that are religious, who keep judging this world, who keep speaking about their sins and trying to make them turn. And the Jesus we follow didn't come, it says, to judge the world. He came to die for the world, qualify the world. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have 
everlasting life. And as you read that chapter, you'll read, he's not here to judge, he came to love. And the church needs to do that. Oh, we stand up strong, but when we talk to the world, when we talk to people around us, we need to know, that, and they need to know how loved, how favored, how accepted they are, and what's the best way to rise up and do great things. This study for me, as a young teenager, it began to get on the inside of me that I didn't have to wait till I was in my 50s and I'm a 15 year old, but I could get up and do great things for God. I'd, I could get up and have wisdom beyond my years. I could have wisdom beyond the teachers who teach management, leadership, uh, church structures, uh, success and finances, that literally Holy Spirit was so incredible that as I meditated in Him, there was this stunning thing that would go on in my life. His unmerited favor, which we call grace, causes you to enjoy success beyond your natural intelligence, beyond your natural qualifications, beyond your natural ability. We've got to understand that. If you don't, you will live your life trying to earn. You'll live your life thinking, well, it's up to me. You'll live your life listening to all of these principles done by great meaning leaders about the sacrifice. And oh, there's sacrifice. We just got to put it in the right perspective. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, we need to know something. It is the presence of the Lord in my life that makes me a success and continues to cause me success. Oh, Chris, religious people hate that word success. Oh, you're just following Jesus because he's gonna make you a success. Yeah, I wanna have a successful relationship with Jesus. I got married to have a successful marriage. I had kids to have a successful family. I got involved in a church because I believe it's gonna be a successful church, a successful school, successful channels and television. I believe that this has been given to you and I because of what Jesus did. It is the presence of God in your life that makes you a success. In Genesis 39, 1 and 2 is a stunning scripture. I know I've preached on it before, but listen well here. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Verse 2 says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. What? He's a slave, kicked out of his country, kicked out of his family. Brothers sold him into slavery. He's the lowest you can get. And yet it says here in the scriptures that, And Joseph was, doesn't say he was going to be, it says he was a successful man. Well, that means we're going to have to reinterpret what the word success is. The world says you're a success when you have things and position. You're a success. How many people never make it past a few years? They're like fireworks. They blow up into the sky, blow across the sky, and twinkle out. It's never generational, never even lasts a lifetime, doesn't even last through a marriage, doesn't even last where your kids like you. Success is God's look at it, and you need to know that you're not a success because of what you have. You are a success because of who you have. 
When you understand the Jewish mind, you'll understand this phrase all through the Bible when it says, and the Lord was with him. There was never a failure. When it said, and the Lord was with them, they never failed. Now in the Old Covenant, a lot of things you had to do. But all through there you'll find in the scriptures that they could walk around a city and God would take out Jericho for them. All they did was shout. So we've got to take, and so I want to look at the Old Testament phrase, and the Lord was with him. The Lord was with them. Whatever role you are in right now, Jesus wants to make you a success. He wants to help you succeed, Mary, wonderfully. He wants you to succeed at your love life, your finance life. He wants you to succeed in your friendship circles. And he's got such purpose for your life. Because without purpose, none of your success means anything. And people find out too late that success can eat you alive, eat your life alive, unless it's got the proper purpose. You have to understand that you have God in your life. And because of that, everything on heaven and earth, on the kingdom of God, goes to fight for you. When you see Jesus as your source of success, there's no stress. God's peace will mount up a garrison in your heart and mind. Did you know that when you look at peace, in the Hebrew it means shalom. We know right now, I know just through studying the thousands of people that we work with in this ministry, and I know studies have been done, and they show us that a stunning percentage of Canadians have literally gone down in their mental health, depleted, and it's way over half when it comes to teenagers, when it comes to, you name it, it literally, uh, some of the studies I'm seeing, and, that I, and I would agree with what I'm noticing, is that as a general population, our mental health has decreased so much because of the government's lockdowns and the things that have gone on. Did you know the word shalom? It means peace. A peace that passes understanding, and that peace with that word means completeness, soundness, safety, prosperity, health. This is what this word shalom means. Let me give you a picture that I was meditating one day and man this ignited on the inside of me. Psalms 23. It talks about the Lord is my shepherd. When the Lord is with you, David is showing you six verses of what he does for you. Leads you to prosperous leads you to prosperous grass, leads you to prosperous water. I mean, protects you, guides you, walk through a valley of shadow of death. And, but there's one line, he says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Everybody wants success without enemies. If you don't want enemies, do nothing with your life. If you want to get up and have purpose and succeed and get up and lead so that your marriage, your generations, your kids and grandkids can rise up with purpose and blessing and do something with their lives, just teach them. Jesus said, they hated me. Some of them are going to hate you. 
Now the 0.2% that hate you, ignore them. They don't matter. Now it says here, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This word table, it means you are having supper. You're having dinner with family, friends. You've got great food. You've got great coffee, great drink. You're sitting here and you're laughing and talking. The supper table is a picture of laughter and joy and family and peace. And he's saying, you, your enemies are still there. They're standing around. They might be hurling insults. They might be there talking as if they're going to take you out, screaming at you like Goliath did or roaring at you like the storm when Peter walked on the water but God's gonna give you such peace that every day feels like a banquet laughing and loving and we've got to teach our kids we've got to teach our families we've got to teach the people around us that in the midst of whatever is going on he prepares a table of laughter and joy and peace and prosperity of food and protection in the middle of your enemies This phrase, when God is with you, I'm going to go quickly now. You may have to listen to this again, but I want to say some things before my time clock runs out. In 1 Samuel 3.19, it says, And the Lord was with Samuel, and he grew up, and not one of his words failed or fell to the ground. Why? Because the Lord was with him. Genesis 39.23 the warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and the Lord made Joseph successful, prosperous in everything he did. Why? The Lord was with Joseph. 1 Samuel 18, 14 to 15, and David behaved himself wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. And it says, Saul saw this and he was afraid. 2 Samuel 5, 10, and David went on and he grew great and the Lord God of hosts was with him. First Chronicles 11, 9, David became stronger and stronger, greater and greater, and the Lord all powerful of, of, powerful of heaven's armies of hosts was with him him. Second Chronicles 1, 1, Solomon, David's son, became a powerful king. He solidified, secured, established his kingdom, his royal authority, strengthened himself over his kingdom because the Lord his God was with him and made him great, exalted, magnified, and empowered. Second Chronicles 15, 1-9, it talks about Asa and how that the Lord was with him. And it says from the countrysides and everywhere around, people were attracted to him. They flocked to his leadership in the midst of a time of chaos. People will be attracted to you because the Lord is with you. They'll see the success on your life. Psalms 127, 1-2 says that the Lord, if the Lord doesn't build the house, you're laboring in vain. If the Lord's not guarding the city, the guards are watching for nothing. It's useless to get up early and to stay up late and to work for a living because God gives sleep to those He loves and He provides for them while they sleep. In the expanded Bible, I love the way it puts it. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, every Jew knew, every Jewish person knew if God was with them, 
no chance of failure. If God was with them, success, prosperity, strength, there was a magnification, a multiplication of everything put, they put their hand to. They looked better than they were. They did better than they could. Beyond their ability, beyond their wisdom, when the Lord was with you, that was the single most important thing in your life for the people of God there. Now in the New Testament, Luke 1.66, it says here, looking at John the Baptist, that when they saw God moving on his dad, Zacharias, and they saw what was going on, they said to themselves, what manner of child is this? Luke 1, 66, because the hand of the Lord was on him. In Acts eleven twenty two, it says, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 2, 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. In the Old Testament, with the Old Covenant, God could be with you, and God could not be with you if you did not keep the terms of the Old Covenant covenant. In Galatians 5, 4, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he is in you and he said, I will never leave you. He said, I will never forsake you. He said and promised us that because of the cross and the resurrection that he is with us. But in Galatians 5, 4, it says here, he's talking to the Galatians, Paul, because they continually, rather than look at the new covenant, got mixed up with the old agreement and the new one. And finally, in Galatians, he's teaching them in verse chapter 5 and 4. He says, listen, if you continue trying to earn it on your own, you have fallen from grace. He doesn't mean they're going to hell when they die. They are born again. It's just they needed to focus on Jesus. They needed to behold Jesus. And in your looking at what Jesus has done in this new covenant, a faith rises up in you because of what Jesus did from the cross to the throne. And your self-efforts. Now, Paul says in, in Corinthians chapter 1 or Colossians chapter 1, I labor harder than anybody, but through the grace that is on me. You begin to work with a faith of ability and the power of God. He looks, he's your rear guard. He stops people from attacking you. Why? Because his favor is on you. And bigger and stronger and meaner people can think they're going to take you out. And what happens is God's favor rises up and confusion takes place. You don't want to come against anyone who the Lord is with them in this new covenant who they understand the grace of God because that's a stunning thing in 1 Corinthians 15. 15.10, Paul says he, here that I'm working harder than anyone, but it's God who is working through me with his ability or his grace. I want you to know in this new covenant, in this new area, that you and I have God with us, Emmanuel. But you're going to need to understand what Jesus has done. You're going to need to, some of you need to get you, stop just thinking that, well, I'm praying and believing. No, some of you need to begin to behold Jesus as I teach these messages. Some of you young people need to remember that church is not about where's the coolest place you can go and where's the place everybody's congregating. Look after your social life. But when it comes to church, if the word of God is not established in your heart, you'll struggle your whole life with religion 
religious Old Testament beliefs. And the Old Testament has been superseded by a new covenant. And this new covenant talks about the favor of God, that he is with you. And the life that is ahead of you, that God has planned for you, is so far beyond your natural ability, your natural acumen, your natural ability to withstand attack. And instead, you just rely and learn the grace, the unearned favor of God is upon my life and in everything that I do. And now that you establish that first, he'll give you, he'll make you wiser than your enemies. You are wiser than your teachers. You are untouchable because the hosts of heaven go to fight for you because God will guide you with wisdom the planet can't have because he is your rear guard the Bible says meaning what you can't see rising up against you those who become your enemies and you don't know where they're coming from in business or however it is that it says he's your rear guard what you can't see what you don't know then you begin to believe he's my rear guard and no weapon formed against me is going to succeed I want you to understand Understand, you need to be part of a life-giving church, teaching the Word of God, the New Covenant. And then you're going to find a confidence, a peace. Make sure you teach this to your children. Make sure your children's children, that they know that we have a covenant, a new agreement with God. And it's in Jesus' finished work. And so as you behold Jesus, as you look at Jesus in the Word, as you get to know Jesus, this faith rises up in you. So many people are trying to have faith without beholding and focusing on Jesus and diving into the Word. I've got news for you. As a teenage boy, I had to settle this issue. As a grandpa, let me tell you something. I've been 40 years in ministry. And I have enjoyed and laughed and loved and seen things happen I could never have masterminded. Seen protection I'm not smart enough to do. Seen the strength and the toughness I don't have on my life because the Lord is with me. And I believe it, I know it, and when I look at any enemy bigger, any obstacle tougher, anything crazier, I just know the favor of the Lord. He is upon me. The Lord is with me. And I want you to know the Lord is with you. It's time to believe it, confess it, declare it. And live in the peace and the stunning, incredible favor of God that touches every aspect of your life. If you're watching me right now, say, well, Leon, I want that. It's so simple. Let me tell you how. You must choose Jesus. Your choices are crucial. All your choices have consequences or blessings. The Bible says, choose Jesus and choose to believe on him. Stay focused on him. And the Bible says that as you learn to look at Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith, Jesus is the one who's qualified you. Jesus is the one who lived right for you, so the power for you to live right comes from him. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. I give you my heart. I'm following you for the rest of my days. Welcome to the family of God. So Leon, how can our prayer be that powerful? The prayer's not powerful. Your choice is powerful.